Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. Today we are finishing off season six of The Clone Wars with Yoda's journey. I do want to highlight that this is the end of season six of The Clone Wars. It is also our 66th episode of the podcast. Execute episode 66. Ba, ba, ba. We'll add some sound effects. <laughs> All right, will we? <laughs> All right. Yeah, good point. Okay, please proceed. Yeah, this is a triple header, so we got a lot to cover. And also it deals with, like, heavy stuff. Yes. So we start off with Season 6, Episode 11, Voices. Madness can sometimes be the path to truth. So we're still dealing with the fallout from sifo revelations that the clones are actually in the thrall of Count Dooku. Yoda is deep in meditation when he hears... Qui-Gon's voice who poltergeists around the room to prove that Qui-Gon actually exists by like blowing out Yoda's meditation candles. Cue Anna screaming. It's pretty rude. Um, so in the council, Yoda asks for help and everyone's going around seeing what's going on with that because they recognize that he's in trouble. Kiati Mundi thinks that it is a Sith manipulation plot, but Yoda is asking for help. They go deep into meditation, and it's super neat. There's this wonderful time lapse. But Yoda is exhausted from attempting to commune with Qui-Gon, and they haven't been able to do it. So he enters in a medically-induced deep force trance. Well, it's a quote-unquote deprivation ritual. It's lifted straight from season one of Stranger Things. That happened years and years later. Yep. They dunk him under the salt water. They give him a rebreather. They cut off his oxygen. He goes into a deep meditation. That's also ripped from earlier Star Wars stuff in episode five. Yeah. Okay. Fair. While in the sensory deprivation chamber, he Yoda communes with Qui-Gon who says, this is not the way come to Dagobah and I will teach you everything. So Yoda is under medical arrest. They aren't going to let him leave. So he's like, hey, who's really good at defying the will of the council? Hey, Anakin, what are you up to? And Anakin's (laughs) like, what? And he says, I need you to cover for me. I need you to break me out of medical jail. Because disobeying the council, your expertise is. Incredible. So Anakin says, R2, go help Yoda. I'm going to cause a distraction. He goes and waits for Mace and the doctor to show up right as Yoda gets and R2 get into Yoda's teeny little ship and fly off to Dagobah. When they land, he recognizes that Dagobah is one of the purest places in the galaxy for the Force, and he's starting to commune with Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon can't appear because his training was incomplete, but Yoda wants to see the future. He wants to know who the Sith Lord is. And Qui-Gon says, I don't know that. I can only bring you to a place where you can know that. He's looking underneath a tree and all of a sudden a doorway enters to the spooktacular realm. Enters the cave. Inside, he sees a vision of the future where the Sith Lord is killing all of the Jedi, killing Kit Fisto, killing Mace Windu. He sees Sidious. The first time he's heard this voice, Sidious, Sidious, who says, join me. There is no other way. Yoda shambles out of the cave and passes out. And Qui-Gon says, with each day the Clone War wages, evil is growing. Yoda asks if there's hope. Look for hope. I've been tasked with guiding you forward. You have the next stage of your journey. So they get into Yoda's 
comically small starfighter and head to the next part of their journey. Yeah, because Yoda has been given a quest. He's going to learn, like Qui-Gon learned before him, how to preserve his life force so that he can manifest a consciousness after death. Mm-hmm. And the force will be his guide. Yep. Now that's where we pick up on Destiny, the second episode of this arc. Death is just the beginning. The little teaser for this one on StarWars.com says, Yoda undergoes training to discover the secret to immortality. And that is actually what happens in this episode. Yeah. Fortune cookie, death is just the beginning. So Yoda does let the Force guide him off of Dagobah. It takes him to a big golden nebula in deep outer space. He can sense that there is a planet inside. He flies towards it, and they land on a beautiful rocky planet with a volcano in the middle shooting golden light. Mm -hmm. It's like a crater that's shooting out this coherent beam of energy every which way. And Yoda dives into it. After dropping off R2. And his lightsaber. And he drops into this massive space with floating islands. He's going deep into the heart of the planet. And then it seems like he's going deeper into the universe itself. Mm-hmm. We find out that this is the birthplace of midi-chlorians. It is the foundation of life. Mm-hmm. He lands on one of the islands. A golden orb comes shimmering out of the sky. And it turns into a force priestess. With like a spirited away kabuki mask. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you're late. You're late for your Force 202 class. We got to get going. (laughs) He's taken into this room and he's surrounded by five priestesses, each with a different mask showing a different aspect. There's anger. There's joy. There's sadness. There's confusion. And then the one that Yoda met was just like total ambivalence, but they call her Serenity. Mm -hmm. They decide that he will be able to begin his quest to get, quote unquote, the great gift, Mm -hmm. which is the secret of how to manifest a consciousness after death. And he begins a training montage. And the first step is that he has to conquer the fear inside of himself. He hops along this giant mushroom path to a dark, smoky island where his shadow self stalks him through the underbrush. Yoda! It's like the Gollum version of yourself, just like the worst. Made out of like black shards. With shining laser red eyes. Mm -hmm. He has to literally fight the evil inside of himself. And he's getting his butt whooped. Like his shadow self is taunting him. And he's saying, Yoda doesn't recognize me anymore. Yoda's too good for me. Why do you hate what gives you power? Mm -hmm. And to defeat it, Yoda has to say, I do recognize you, shadow self. You are a part of me. But through patience and training, I control you. You don't have power over me. And then... He vanquishes his dark side. He grabs it by the face, and wherever his hands touch it, it explodes into melted dark side. He blasts it into powder. All hail Yoda. He just did the whole plot of The Lord of the Rings in Mm -hmm. two and a half minutes. (laughs) But this is just step one. Because now he has vanquished his hubris, but he must face temptation. The temptations. So he has to pass through a series of trials and feel no emotion. One scenario is filled with dead younglings and dead faves. There's dead Mace Windu. There's dying Ahsoka. 
Katuni, one of our baby younglings mm-hmm. from the Jedi younglings arc, comes and offers to take away all of Yoda's sadness and pain. And when he takes her hand, he's transported to this extremely lovely scene on the patio of the Jedi temple. Just it's having like a barbecue. A big old barbecue with all the Jedi. There's no war. And there's also Qui-Gon and Tipli and Galia, yeah. Even Dooku is there. Mm-hmm. And Yoda has to confront the illusion. He has to refuse to take comfort from it. Dooku leaps on him with a lightsaber and he just serenely closes his eyes, hashtag unbothered. And when he opens his eyes again, he has passed this series of trials. Now it is time for the final test. He is to travel to Moraband, the ancient homeworld of the Sith, and face all of his fears. First, he asks Serenity, this priestess, I wish to see your face behind the mask. And she takes off her mask and you see light before her robe falls to the ground and you realize that she has actually been dead and manifesting as a living creature this whole time as well. So mm-hmm. they're definitely practicing what they preach. Mm-hmm. So one more place to visit we have in season six, episode 13, Sacrifice. Facing all that you fear will free you from yourself. Oh, so on this Sith homeworld of Moraband, pulling up to a deserted temple on this shattered planet that has been dead for millennia, um, he's like, R2, stay with the ship. If I'm not back in three days, then go get help and tell them where I am. Yetta's meditating as the weather changes around him when all of a sudden the desert forms up around him into a series of Sith snakes. Creepy, crawly smoke snakes. They become a huge mega snake that taunts him and then dives on top of him and he just blocks it using the force. But then it turns into a series of Sith warriors who start circling around him and taunting him. And they start attacking him saying, now they'll know that you're here. And you will die and you will become nothing. Yep. So we cut to Dooku, who awakens from his meditations as a super tactical droid walks. And he's like, yep, I'm on my way to Coruscant right now. But Yoda enters into one of the tombs of Moribond. And whose tomb is it? It is Darth Bane. He looks like Smog from the Fellowship of the Ring. He's a... Lava samurai ghost. He's pretty scary. He is the ancient Sith Lord who created the rule of two. And they taunt back and forth of, you know, Bane is like, are you coming to study under me? And Yoda says, no, you can't hurt me. You're an illusion. Anchors him back to his sarcophagus and he's gone. And once Darth Bane is vanquished, the sarcophagus slides aside to a deeper level. Meanwhile, on Coruscant, as the Imperial March is playing at full volume, Dooku rolls into the works, which is this industrial sector where he meets Palpatine. We must act swiftly to strike a deadly blow to the Jedi Order, They start an old Sith ritual with a drop of blood. They put it into a pool of water, and then Yoda walks into a place of absolute darkness. The priestesses have appeared before and said... Beware, for what they offer will certainly feel like an answer. So Yoda, in this place of perfect darkness, sees none other than Siphodius, insane and chained to the wall. But he pretty rapidly realizes that it's not Siphodius because he's just speaking crazy talk. Come closer. Give me what I want. Free me. 
And as soon as Yoda chooses to disbelieve this, the face of Sidious appears. And Yoda becomes woozy and passes out and wakes up on a gunship with Anakin and Rex in the 501st, and they're tracking an illegal ship that landed at the works. It looks like Dooku's ship. So they land, they fly in, they see Sidious and Dooku performing this evil Sith ritual. Immediately, Palpatine force lightnings all the clones. Anakin fights Dooku. He hits him in the leg. He grabs his lightsaber and he decapitates Dooku right as Yoda is chasing down Sidious. He needs to find out who Sidious is. They run outside on these gantry ways. Anakin's following him. They get into this crazy fight. Palpatine force shocks Anakin. And Yoda is stuck of having to keep Anakin alive and from falling. And blocking the lightning from Sidious. And Sidious is taunting him. He's Mm -hmm. saying to Yoda, let Anakin go so you can stop what I'm about to do. Yes. Eventually, Yoda decides to focus all of his energy on saving Anakin. He saves Anakin. Sidious and Yoda are on one gantry. It's about to fall. Yoda flings his lightsaber up, knocks it down. The whole thing's falling. As they're falling, Yoda's trying to pull away Sidious's cackling mask so he can see the face of who it is. But once he does, it disappears and Yoda wakes up. And then Dooku and Palpatine raise their faces from the altar back on Coruscant. And Palpatine says, we have failed to break Master Yoda. They can't defeat Master Yoda and they can't defeat the Jedi yet. Mm-hmm. So now Yoda is training. He has been given this gift. He's going to complete his training with the priestesses. His entire, basically every Yoda line from the original trilogy is played super fast, ending with there is another Skywalker as we move forward. And then we get back to the temple. Yoda is in this patio, in this garden, and says, to the end we are coming now. Open to us a path remains that unknown to the Sith is, that through this path, victory we may yet find. Not victory in the Clone Wars, but victory for all time. And then we close on the blossoms over the Jedi Temple, and it is the most beautiful ending to a Clone Wars episode ever. Yeah. And, you know, originally this was the ending to the Clone Wars. What a way to end a story on your own terms. Oh, my God, Sam. Yeah. So this was the end of the Clone Wars for six years, from 2014 to 2020. Mm -hmm. This was the end of the story, the end of the line. All you could do from here was go to Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. I find myself thinking it was worth the price of admission to see this arc. And to close out on this episode, and by the price of admission, I mean watching 60-plus hours of The Clone Wars, doing a podcast for a year and a half with you every single week, (laughs) like the hours and hours and hours that I have spent thinking about The Clone Wars, it was worth it to end it on this note. Wow. It brought me to tears. What a stunning endorsement. I love that. It was beautiful. All the way through. This is such a important arc for the understanding of the Force, for the understanding of the future, and the call forwards in this to Revenge of the Sith, to later works, is so important, the foreshadowing in this arc. It's really 
the end of the Clone Wars in the sense of I'm almost tempted to say that when we start season seven next week, that that's all stuff that's happening concurrently with Revenge of the Sith. And it's basically just the D plot or whatever of Revenge of the Sith. So this is the real, real end of the story. This is the real end of the story. Wow. So I have a ton that I want to talk about. Yeah. But I want to give a a quick big picture sense of what I thought this story Mm -hmm. was about. I think this arc is about being brave and vulnerable at the same time. Okay. Because Yoda puts himself in harm's way again and again from the beginning, like even starting with the sensory deprivation tank. Yeah. When he lands on the Sith planet and he has to face all of the ancient Sith warriors, even when he faces his own shadow self. Yeah. And he never shows fear in these situations that could cause his death because he trusts himself. You know, the, I 100% agree. One of the most important parts of that is actually at the very beginning when he goes to the Jedi Council mm. and says, I'm sure you've noticed that I've been a little loopy lately. Uh, here is what is happening. I don't have any idea what it is. I have no perspective. I don't know if this is just a voice inside my own head and if no one else can hear it. Mm -hmm. And so he is vulnerable in that moment and brave in that moment. And all of the Jedi come without even questioning. They kneel down and they put their hands on him and they stay there all night. No dinner breaks, no bathroom breaks, Nobody had snacks. There were no gushers to be found. Yeah, it was. They did a time lapse that it was like a full twenty four hours or something, at least until the next morning. And they supported him unquestioningly. And I think the Clone Wars is saying this is the reward for being brave and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. People will come and fill in the gaps. So fast forwarding a bit, when we get to the priestesses and he has to face Dark Yoda, Uh we learn that it is his hubris because. As Serenity is setting him up for that trial, she's like, you'll have to face your fear. And he's like, I'm a grandmaster. I have faced my fears. I know all that is inside me. But one of the things that Dark Yoda says is you're reveling in the decadence of war. Oh, it's such a good line. And Yoda, over the course of that fight, recognizes that he has gained hubris through being a character who is leading this war. Mm. And so, of course, he has gained some amount of pride. And so for me, the big lesson from that is that no matter how much effort we've gone to, to become humble, to become fearless, to know ourselves, it's a continual process and you cannot stop because new Mm. things come along. And I think that ties into the last big idea that I kind of took from this arc, which is that even the wisest Jedi in the galaxy is allowed to still be learning Mm -hmm. and to accept guidance. And so even the wisest person in the world is still learning and still needs guidance. And this is a continual process. You're never done. Even if you're a nearly 900-year-old... Chaos gremlin. Chaos gremlin. Okay, so those were the big themes... What else did you want to talk about? I want to talk about Ahsoka. Oh, this was 
to my knowledge, the only time that Ahsoka's name is spoken out loud in season six of The Clone Wars. I believe you are correct. And it is really dark because she's sitting there. She's dying. There's Petro. There's Mace on the floor of this temple, which is obviously a dream temple because the lighting is all wrong. But it's also obviously the Jedi Temple. And she's asking, will I become part of the force when I die? Mm. Because you cast me out of the Jedi Temple. What's going to happen to me when I die? Oh, my God. And wow. You know, that that really hit me, especially because the first thing she says, Yoda says, who did this? Padawan, who did this? And she says, the Sith. And in a kind of an interesting tone, but also recognizing that no matter who the Sith are, this is how they operate. They come in and they, you know, they are capable of setting up a situation to enact maximum violence, to create pain and suffering, to break someone like Yoda. But Yoda has to face that fear. And I think he pretty rapidly recovers from that situation, ready to move on to his next thing. But Maybe not because Katuni is sitting there and she says, I can take away your fear, sadness, and confusion, which are three of those five priestesses. Mm-hmm. They represent mm-hmm. those things. And I think that might be indicative of having to be, having to carry those things with you. Yeah. To me, the symbolism in that scene, because mm-hmm. I think. This arc has a ton of symbolism, and I want to talk about that later. To me, Ahsoka represented the mistakes of Yoda's past, and Katuni represented what was at stake if he did not fix the situation in the future. Yeah. Because Ahsoka, he's already failed, Mm -hmm. and Katuni is someone that he is at risk of failing. Yeah, and it's only once Ahsoka dies in his arms that he actually refers to her by her first name. Mm -hmm. Before that, he's calling her Padawan. Yeah. Which is... Sad. I think it's so meaningful that in all of Yoda's trials and tribulations, he mostly has to face Ahsoka, Dooku, and Anakin. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a way of showing who Yoda loves the most, like Mm. who he has the strongest emotional bond to and who he feels is either at risk or a relationship that he failed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he feels that way about Anakin, but it is interesting, fast forwarding to the end here, when Yoda is given the choice and Sidious says, if you let him fall, then you'll undo all that I've been working towards, which is so true. Oh, oh my God, you're totally right. If Yoda's like Anakin, you're out. You're being stripped of your Jedi. We need to put you in Jedi jail or whatever. He takes away Palpatine's biggest tool. And that's the symbolism here, right? Yoda is literally using the force to hold Anakin's limp body from falling Mm -hmm. miles to the red mists that are wreathing the ground level of Coruscant. Mm -hmm. And so Sidious is truly saying, if you let him fall, if you let him fall to the floor of Coruscant, if you let him fall from the light. Yeah, or... From his hubris, from his things, because Anakin is incapable of mastering himself in these trials, a trial like this. But and he also what, has no interest in it. <laughs> and what Dooku and what 
Yoda chooses is to sacrifice himself. He mm -hmm. drops all of his defenses yep. because he was splitting his attention. He was holding Sidious off and he was holding Anakin up. Yep. And he chooses to stop holding Sidious off, lifts Anakin's body, puts it down safely, mm -hmm. exposes his back to all of the force lightning that Sidious can produce. Mm -hmm. And in that moment of complete sacrifice, Yoda is able to achieve victory. Yep. And I think this is what Qui-Gon was talking about in the beginning of the first episode, Voices. Yoda is asking him, is there any hope that the Jedi will prevail? Mm -hmm. And Qui-Gon says, there's always hope, but it's not the outcome that you think to hope for. There's a yeah. different outcome. And so I think that mirrored itself beautifully in two ways. Yoda didn't choose to go on and stop what Sidious was doing. He chose to sacrifice himself for what he knew was right. And mm -hmm. in that moment, he was able to achieve victory. And then when Yoda gets back to the Jedi Temple and he's talking with Obi-Wan and Mace Windu, he says, I no longer believe that there is a path forward for us to achieve victory in the Clone Wars, yeah. but I believe that I have learned something that will help us to achieve victory for all time, mm -hmm. but it will look differently than the outcome we're hoping for. And that is the spiritual awakening of Yoda in a sense, is the recognition that the way Yoda wants things to go and the way things are going to go are different, mm -hmm. but there is a path forward. What's so crazy about that is the idea there is another Skywalker to, to tell Yoda at this point in time is a really interesting thing to say for him to recognize that there is a path forward. Mm. And also there's some stuff in here about uh, that the priestesses say that Yoda will be the one to shepherd forward someone who will bring balance to the to the universe. Yeah. And while one could argue that this is about Anakin being the chosen one, it's also kind of like setting up a multi-generational chain of dominoes because you need things to happen in a certain order and you need them to to rise and fall in order for everyone to experience the full range of human emotion that will eventually be Star Wars. Mm. So this is the episode which holds all of that foreshadowing. And it, for someone who's steeped in the lore like myself, it is intensely rewarding to watch this as the finale of The Clone Wars. Oh. And for me as a new person, mm -hmm. I am going to be honest, I skipped over the whole there's another Skywalker baby crying thing because like it didn't yeah. resonate with me. I was like, well, that's kind of a weird interlude. Mm -hmm. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh God, I'm just a dum-dum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just an idiot. But I'm I'm a new fan, right? Yeah. yeah. And so for me, the emotional payoff of these last moments mm -hmm. between Mace and Obi-Wan and Yoda was also deeply, deeply rewarding. Yes. This arc worked on so many different levels. It really did. It was also gorgeous. And it the score for this mm -hmm. arc was astonishing. It is a lot of Yoda's theme from the original trilogy. And Qui-Gon's theme. Mm -hmm. And the Force theme. And the Imperial March. Yeah, full-on Imperial March. There's a lot of operatic singing. There's a lot of Gregorian chanting. Yeah. There's a lot of percussive drums. And then there's really fun didgeridoo music as he enters the Oh my God, planet. there totally is. Yeah. Oh, so, it's so good. And being like inside this crazy forest planet, going into that dark temple, very cool 
visuals. I have the funnest of fun facts. What's up? Do you know who voiced Darth Bane? Well, I was going to get to that when we got to Darth Bane, but it's Mark Hamill. It's Mark Hamill himself, and there is a reason he is legendary, Mm -hmm. and he was flawless. So that actually brings to mind all of the background that we learned about the Sith in this episode. This is the first time anyone mentions Darth Bane, I believe, and this rule of two, how important it is, because at the beginning of this arc, at the very beginning, Ki-Adi-Mundi is saying we need to be open to the possibility that Dooku is not the master, but the apprentice. I really felt like they cut off that conversation in the Jedi Council at the important (laughs) bit. I was like... Wait, wait, wait. Rewind. I don't care if Yoda's snoozing on the job. I want you to continue this thought that Dooku is the apprentice and not the master. But doesn't that actually show how the Jedi operate in that if one of the Jedi grandmasters is sitting there and you're having a meeting and all of a sudden he's like, whoa, I was deep in thought. You're like, okay, that might actually be important. Yeah. And yeah. it was. Yeah. But also, but anyway, also. yes, we get a primer on the Sith. So – some facts about the Sith. The original planet name of the Sith was Korriban, mm-hmm. and then it became Moraband, which is slightly different, and apparently they're both correct, but it's a planet where it's a planet you visit several times in a lot of video games, which is very fun of the homeworld of the Sith. And it's, it's like a red, mountainous, high desert, windstorm planet. Yeah, it's presumably a dead world in the sense of it's been nuked or force siphoned to oblivion because it's it's shattered it's broken and it's full of very cool huge tombs yeah and each one is full of one of these very cool you know sith ghosts that you have to vanquish to get the reward on the inside (laughs) and the idea of darth bane being the one who took the thousands of warring sith who were always backstabbing and turned it into There are only two, and here's why. Plays forward a bit because Dooku and Palpatine are meeting at that time, and Palpatine's like, you have a great connection with Yoda, right? Your former master. And he's like, yes, yes, yes. All right, this is a secret Sith ritual. I've never performed this in front of anyone. Give me one (laughs) drop of your blood. starts chanting, and they're able to bind in and and scry Yoda and enter his mind. And importantly, one of the things Dooku says is, won't he be able to sense us? To see us. And Sidious says, no, we'll come to him in a face that he thinks is a friend. I was so worried it was going to be Qui-Gon. Me too. I was sweating bullets out of my armpits. I was very nervous. Yeah, me too. But that is a nice, neat encapsulation of the Sith, right? We have... They used to be warring. Now there's a rule of two. The reason there's a rule of two is in order to become the master, the apprentice has to kill the master, and the master doesn't teach all of their secrets to the apprentice, so the apprentice keeps them alive as long as possible. We got like the full range of the Sith experience in this arc real quick. What I learned about the Sith from this arc was it was like a confirmation that they are only interested in the physical realm. Yeah. And I think we have talked about this before with Maul and Savage because mm-hmm. we were talking about why Maul is clinging so hard to life. And it's for revenge against Kenobi. But Sam, at some point, you also brought up the point that the Sith don't necessarily believe that there's anything after death. Yeah, which is the whole plot of this arc, that – 
there's a living force and a cosmic force, and one feeds into the other. So we do get a primer on the different kinds of the force. We get this incredible narration from Qui-Gon in Voices when Yoda is tromping through Dagobah, and he says, I am a manifestation of the force, a force which consists of two parts. Living beings generate the living force, mm -hmm. and that powers the wellspring that is the cosmic force. All energy from the living force, from all things that have ever lived, feeds into the cosmic force, binding everything mm -hmm. and communicating to us through the midichlorians. Yeah. And what Yoda says at the end of the final episode, Sacrifice, is that this knowledge is unknown to the Sith. Yeah, or perhaps the idea of it is against their teachings. And that's how Yoda calls Darth Bane's bluff. Yep. Because he's, he knows all about the Sith. Mm -hmm. He knows that, I guess, they don't believe in consciousness after death. They don't. Uh, the sifo illusion says that as well. Yeah, yeah. What else is there besides the present moment, besides the physical realm? And yeah. Yoda's like, okay, I'm calling this bluff. That is BS. Yeah, yeah, because... The Jedi do have that to look forward to, which ties back to illusory Ahsoka's death as mm. well. She's worried about what happens to her. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thought that even in the midst of this very hopeless situation, Yoda is able to see this spark, which is that we have a tool that the Sith don't have and mm -hmm. may never be able to have. And if we can radically change our expectations for what victory looks like, we might be able to do something bigger than winning the war. We might be able to win the big war for the future. Yeah. And so my criticism of Yoda last episode of our podcast was that if you get into a situation where you're waiting on your opponent to make a mistake, you've already lost. And now Yoda realizes play a different game. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was looking up some of the coverage of this arc mm -hmm. when it came out and there was a writing on starwars.com, kind of a recap. And I loved this section so much and I want to read it to you because it's related to this point. Darth Sidious, as he and Yoda are on the catwalk, offers Yoda a false binary. Let Skywalker fall to his death or stop Sidious in his tracks. It's a common theme in Star Wars storytelling. The bad guys love to present two options as if there are no other choices. Exactly. And each time, it's the hero's responsibility to navigate through the lies and the fear and excavate their own emotions to get to the truth of the matter. Ultimately, Yoda is able to see past the deceptions the Sith fail to break the wisest Jedi. Mm -hmm. Oh, there is another way. There's always another way. So at the beginning of this arc, the reason Anakin's involved at all, because he's just a, you know, a Jedi dude and there's the whole Jedi council. But Yoda says, Anakin, what about your experience on Mortis? Didn't you commune with Qui-Gon. And Qui-Gon had appeared as an actual force ghost to him on Mortis. Loved that callback. So later on, when Yoda calls Anakin to him, Anakin hears Qui-Gon's voice. Mm -hmm. And I think that says a lot, this idea of there being 
a third choice. When presented with a choice, the correct choice is to not be bound by those constraints is a huge callback to the Mortis arc because that is exactly what Anakin did. Oh my God, you're totally right. Because he had Ahsoka being ripped apart by one creature and Obi-Wan being ripped apart by another creature. They said, you have to choose which one to save. And he's like, I'm going to beat up these creatures. Yeah, yeah. They gave him Sophie's choice and he said, I'm not going to rip this person in half. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna beat up the creatures. And that is what Yoda's choice is there as well. He says, I'm going to save Anakin and then I'm going to sacrifice both of us so I can learn your identity. Yeah, I'm going to find another way. Yeah. I think that's so true. And there were so many lessons on the force in this arc that I think were so meaningful and so deep. And yes. that's one of them. One of them is if you don't like your options, find another way. Mm-hmm. I love that callback. Another one was be wary, give power to that which you fear and it will show itself to you. Yes. That's what Qui-Gon says when Yoda's about to walk into the cavern on Dagobah. And I was just thinking, God, that's that's manifesting right there. Mm-hmm. Like the more your thoughts go to what you fear, what you hate, what you're afraid will happen, what you hate about yourself, like the more you are giving energy to that part of you that is full of fear and hatred and resentment and you're feeding like the darkness inside of you. Oh, absolutely. Yesterday I was on a walk and sometimes people will grab like a speaker or their phone and play it while they're hiking and you can hear it from like a mile away. And I was getting so angry and resentful that by the end of the walk, I had to like sit and re, you know, apply myself to reality because I'd become so resentful at someone who just, you know, was just listening to music. You, yeah, you gave power to the darkness inside of you. I did. The moral of the story is don't play music on the trail, but. Well, or equanimity. Yeah, or equanimity or recognize my own role in these things. And that's where all the lessons that Yoda lands on end up, that his honesty, his integrity, and his willingness to take like all five of these muses, these priestesses Mm -hmm. in amongst himself, the confusion, the sadness, and the anger, they are part of him, Mm -hmm. but they don't power him. They don't control him is what lets him move forward. His big lesson was, I have a dark side. I recognize my dark side, but with training and patience, I control it. It has no power over me. Mm -hmm. I can't even explain how meaningful that is. It's incredibly meaningful. This is this episode, if you are primed for it, if you're, you know, in a good mental location to to hear its lessons, is a real shot in the arm. It's amazing. Yoda's test was to accept that there is darkness inside of him and then unequivocally reject it. And if that's not a lesson for all of us, then I don't know what Star Wars is doing. Like, I think that is the lesson. Mm -hmm. He is so uncompromising. He says, yeah, there is darkness inside of me. I refuse to let it be part of me any longer. He made me so proud. Like, he made me feel very humble. Mm. That was the moment where I was like, Yoda is a wise Jedi master, and, like, he is someone to look up to. I'm sorry, I'm crying on the podcast.
I would be remiss if I let us get all the way through this episode and we didn't talk about the hero's journey. Yeah. So tell me when you want to talk about the hero's journey. <laughs> I mean, we can we can do it now. Okay. Let's talk about the hero's journey. I went through Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand Faces, and I charted the steps of Yoda's quest as they lined up with Joseph Campbell's theorem mm-hmm. of every hero's journey. Yep. Do you want to hear about it? Yeah, of course. Okay. And there's 11 steps, and I'm going to tell you what they are. Okay. There's more than that, but these are the ones that matter. Okay. There's a call to action. Which is, Yoda, wake up, or I'll turn your lights off. No. No? Is no. it when he's passed out and says, go to Dagobah? No. <laughs> <laughs> Step one is the call to adventure. Okay. A problem or a threat interrupts the hero's daily life. Mm -hmm. That's the Sith. Specifically, that's the question of who the Dark Lord of the Sith really is. Okay, fair enough. The threat of the Sith is what interrupts Yoda's daily life. The second step is the refusal of the call. Mm -hmm. The hero wants to embark on the journey, but they're hesitant, and they refuse to go on the journey. Okay. I'm actually not sure. Maybe that is his arc to the hospital because he's looking for a more mundane solution to a deeper problem. Yeah. My theory is that this is when he goes to the Jedi, hoping that they will not have answers for him. That is just in his head. Yeah. Yeah. But he is convinced at the end of that that it is more than inside his head. What convinces him is the third step, Mm -hmm. supernatural aid. Someone that Yoda looks up to finds him and helps him to gain the inspiration to start the journey. That's fair, Qui-Gon's voice from beyond. Yeah, to be fair, Yoda looks up to everyone. But <laughs> Boo. Okay, step four is crossing the threshold. This is the point where the hero leaves on their journey. Obviously, this is the jailbreak scene. Mm-hmm. This is when Artu and Yoda hop in the tiny Yoda-sized cruiser. It's... I love that ship so much. It's an ETA 2 Actus with everything filed off. The entire back and top of the cockpit replaced with an, like an astromech socket. So he's just, it's tiny. It's a Yoda-sized pod with like little wimpy wings. You can fit it in your pocket. I love it. I love it. Step five is the belly of the whale. Ooh. The hero encounters the first obstacle after embarking on their journey. This, I think, is going into the gold nebula, letting the force take the wheel. Mm -hmm. Jesus, take the wheel. And then diving into the volcano to get to the force priestesses. Yeah, he's inside a hollow planet. Exactly. Yeah. Step six is, and I kid you not, this step is called meeting with the goddess. Okay. This is meeting the five force priestesses. Yeah. Step seven, and... The next two steps get a little weebly. I switched them around. It made more sense. Step seven is the road of trials. It's the first stage of their initiation. It's mm-hmm. the trials that the hero has to undergo and the beginning of them changing some aspect about themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's Yoda fighting his shadow self. Yeah, which is like the next thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Vanquishing the darkness inside of himself. And then step eight is temptation. Yep. And the priestesses literally call it the temptations. Yeah. Having to go through all of these illusions and not succumb to them. Because they are very nice. It's really nice to be sitting there on the Jedi patio with all of your old friends. Having a picnic. Mm-hmm. Your old apprentice is there. All your dead friends are there. Yeah. 
the younglings are alive and kicking. Hopefully they still are, but yeah. I wanted to hang out at the Jedi barbecue. It looks really nice. I want to be invited they were telling to the Jedi funny barbecue. Funny stories too. Oh my god, Dooku is talking to Obi Wan, and he's like, "Remember that time you got your butt whooped by the Torrent attack? Torrent attack, which is a force eating giant monster. That's actually horrifying. Yeah, it's a nice scene. Mm-hmm. I love it until it's not." <laughs> Until it's not, and that's the next step, which is step nine. It's called atonement with the father, but Mm. it is one of the major turning points where the hero has to fight a villain. And I think that's where Dooku turns on Yoda. Yeah. I can see that. I can also see that when he fights Sidious. That's a little different. Okay. Step 10 is apotheosis. Okay. From the previous step, the hero has learned how they will face the rest of their journey. Mm. And I think Yoda can't get to Sidious until he has already faced his trials and completed them. I agree. So then step 11 is the ultimate boon. It is the final step. The hero has to fulfill the reason for their journey. Mm -hmm. Yoda has to face Dooku and Palpatine in the confrontation on Coruscant in his own brain. Mm -hmm. And the reason for the journey was to become willing to sacrifice everything that Yoda had fought so hard for to preserve a different kind of future. And the interesting thing is the initial problem is who's the Sith master. Mm -hmm. And the solution that Yoda was seeking was who's the Sith master. Mm-hmm. It's just one name. I just need like a first name, a last name, a middle name, whatever. Anything. Acronyms. And what he actually gets is a path forward because the trap is already closed. Mm, yep. Yep. There's a bunch more steps. The hero's journey is really complex and really specific for all that it is universally applicable, quote unquote. Yeah. But I kind of cut out the last six steps because I, I this is where Yoda's journey ends in the arc. Mm-hmm. And the last stuff is it's the the boring stuff at the end of the final Lord of the Rings book when like Frodo goes back to the Shire and there's gangsters in the Shire and they have to get rid of the gangsters. And you're like, okay. The part that's been pretty much cut out of most 21st century tales because we yeah. have a short attention span. Well, and it's kind of boring. Yeah. It's not great. So... I love that. I think it's great. The original, you know, George Lucas worked with Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to see this reverberation. And it's something we've talked about recently, how so much of season six of The Clone Wars is taking the lessons from the previous episodes of The Clone Wars and movies and distilling it to its bare essence as if we were doing a recap of the mm. whole series to say this is all the stuff that happened. This is the rhyme of Star Wars hmm. as we get to Revenge of the Sith. I want to point out as a little bit of an about face how drastically this arc expands the canon. Ooh. With regards to the Force, with regards to the Sith. All of this stuff was new and novel and crazy as it was coming out. This idea of the cosmic force, the living force, even a deeper investigation into midichlorians and the nature of the Sith. Even someone saying the words midichlorians in the Clone Wars is not something that I expected. It's very rare. And it's interesting because this represents the end of the pre-Disney era of Star Wars. 
Oh. Yeah. This whole series, all of season six, was part of what was put together before the acquisition. Mm -hmm. And then the Disney acquisition happened. Season six was actually quasi-canceled because Disney moved into Rebels, mm -hmm. which is so much more lighthearted. Disney-fied. Mm -hmm. And also, Disney was saying, we don't want to go back to the prequel era because those movies have already been made. We are coming up with some new movies. We're starting filming and casting on the sequel trilogy. Yeah, it's kind of a different phase of Star Wars than we're in right now because now we're back to filling in the gaps between the movies again. Right, so where we are today, we're in September of 2022. Andor is about to come out. We just watched Kenobi. The Taika Mando Waititi is, mm -hmm. is making a new movie, but and that's far in the future. Right now, we're filling in the gaps between all of the different series. Yeah, which I love, and I'm still waiting on 10 years after Mando, what's happening to rehabilitate the prequel or the sequels, because that's what the Clone Wars did to the prequels. By taking all of this stuff, all of this Force, Sith, all of this deep lore, which by the time of the original trilogy, all of this stuff would have been completely lost because the people who would have been carrying it are gone. Mm. So these messages, the how and why of it moving forward is really important. It also shows to me at the end of this journey of the Clone Wars, because this is the end of a season, but it's also the end of an era in the Clone mm -hmm. Wars, is what it takes to be a Jedi is not a lightsaber and it's not being Anakin at the forefront of a battle. It's the willingness to set aside self to grow. Ooh. And that's what Yoda does. And I think that's why he's willing to say at the end of this episode, he, he might not know the words yet, but he is willing the downfall of the Jedi. He's willing to let that happen to let the force move forward because he's moved past what it means to be a Jedi. Mm -hmm. He is the wisest. Mm -hmm. He's such a wise guy. <laughs> is it that time? Sure is. It's time for Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. All right. Who's it going to be? Sam. Yes. I knew the second that I heard Liam Neeson's velvety tones yeah? that my bae was going to be Qui-Gon Jinn and I was not going to be sorry about it. Really? I knew. In my heart, I knew. I wrote down Qui-Gon is my bae and I know. I just mm. know. And I know that that is a kind of a niche choice when Yoda is out here being the wisest of the wisest Jedi master. For the other two and a half episodes ever. of this arc, yeah. Yeah. But I'm not sorry about it. Qui-Gon's my bae. And I will tell you why. Yes, please do. I have like a CVS receipt length amount of reasons. Sam doesn't shop at CVS, but if you do. No, I'm aware of the meme. I know it's not done printing yet. So. Okay, excellent. Good, 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 good. Sam, imagine that you are Yoda. You are 900 years old. Okay. Everyone is looking to you for answers all the time. I feel this. All your friends are dead yep. or they're going to die. I mean, yeah. According to your horrifying premonition, you st are stumbling through the darkness trying to figure out how to save the future of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere, your long-lost friend, Qui-Gon Jinn, 
comes out of literally nowhere, shows up and says, I have been tasked with guiding you forward. Yeah. Imagine how good that feels. I'd imagine that I would follow the similar path of, as Yoda as being very discerning about making sure that this is a true thing that is happening. Okay. I would be thrilled that my friend who loves me has come back to give me guidance. And in the phrasing, I have been tasked with guiding you. There's an implication that there's something bigger than the both of you guiding everybody. That is incredibly true. One of the interesting notes that I have that's very related to Qui-Gon is that whenever midichlorians come up, Qui-Gon's involved. That's super true. And I'm wondering if perhaps that was his life's work. He's, you know, all the Jedi are doing their Jedi things. They're solving crimes. They're, you know, leading relief efforts. And Qui-Gon's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of what the force is all about. Mm. And he's really deeply studied it to learn about this. And everyone's like, yeah, midichlorians, they're these little life forms that are in everything. He's like, you know what else is in everything? The force. And he's taking this like, um, sort of like an old school Jesuit priest or one of the very early scientists, like mm. the scientist adventurer role mm -hmm. to figure out what it's all about. And the idea that he has undergone training, but his training is incomplete yeah. shows that he might have actually been to this location before. Right, right. I want to choose Qui-Gon as my babe because he did all of this with no guide. That's true. He did it without the credibility of being on the Jedi Council, without the support of anybody, mm -hmm. being in some ways a total maverick and kind of an outcast from the Jedi. Yeah. Everyone thought he was too independent, too willful, too radical. He had to find his own way to the Force priestesses in the heart of the galaxy at the mm -hmm. origin of all life, not knowing if there would be an outcome, not knowing if there would be like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Because with his humility, that's not the point. The yeah. point is the journey and recognizing that he has to shepherd along the person who's going to shepherd along the person who's going to shepherd along yeah. the correct victory. At yeah. The end. And then I also had so much respect for him because he cobbled together this understanding of how to manifest consciousness after death and then chose to keep working. Like, no retirement, <laughs> no golf club. Like, th that's the thing with immortality. If you discover the secret to living forever, you're choosing to be involved forever. Yeah. No that's breaks, true. no vacation. That's why witches are so angry. Yeah, I would be too, man. <laughs> I love that. I like it. I just think he is the best and I love him. <laughs> and at its heart, isn't that what Baywatch is all about? It They're is, the best and I love it them. It is, it is. Yeah, so that's my choice. Who did you choose? Okay, it was a tough choice for me between two characters. I'm going to go with Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. My other choice is R2 because he was brave. Yeah. I just got real R2, 3PO, mess around vibes the whole time I was hanging out with Yoda. It was the best. And Yoda's always saying like, yeah, don't worry. I'll be right back. And he's able to communicate with R2 and like calm him down. He gives him a little pat on his belly. Yeah. He's so nice. It's also funny because uh, 
the way R2 looks up to people is the way that like Yoda looks up to R2. <laughs> it's like a 45 degree angle up. And I find that very funny, but I mean, it's gotta be Yoda because Yoda is the one whose journey it is. Mm -hmm. And the recognition to me of what like, um, a founding principle of faith, the guiding principle of faith, which is things are going to work out, but things are definitely not going to work out the way I want them to mm -hmm. is a lesson that I've had to learn again and again and again. And watching Yoda learn it with this equanimity and with the, particularly the ability to say, I have faced my hubris mm -hmm. because I didn't realize I had hubris because I didn't have it last time I checked. My hubris is that I didn't realize I had more hubris left in me. Yeah, it was extremely well done. And despite his Yoda speak, he still is mischievous and kind. Whenever anyone asks him a question, he'll say like the mischievous answer, but also a kind one. Mm. And I find that really sweet and really fun. Like mm. uh, my notes are so incredibly long because I basically wrote down verbatim everything he said. And it's very fun to be exposed to the mind of Yoda as he makes his way through the universe with this happiness and this calmness and this ability to be one with things. Mm. And just like, you know, he was just sitting there meditating because that's what he does. He meditates for 24 hours at a time to see the future, to see what's going on, to find these threads. Mm -hmm. It yeah. was a treat to spend so much time in his head. Mm -hmm. It was a treat to see him react to so many different scenarios. It was a treat for him to be dropping pearls of wisdom left and right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a privilege to spend so much time with him. And I have a, a, another special Baywatch shout out for Tim Curry. Ooh. Who is the voice of Palpatine for all of season six. Uh. And this is the episode that he lets loose because this is prime Sidious. He did a great job. He was terrifying and cackling and insane and you know tim curry's great at that so my special shout out goes to mark hamill yes as darth bane as darth bane yeah he was fantastic yeah two two choices that reflect the legacy of the jedi and the mm -hmm. hope for its future yeah yeah that's what we got on baywatch So that wraps up season six of The Clone Wars, and we're starting on season seven next week. Next week, it's going to be episode 67 for us, but it's going to be the first half of the Martez sisters arc. We are actually starting in the middle of season seven. We're doing episodes five and six. Yep. So we're going to do the Martez sisters arc and then the Bad Batch arc. And I'm mm -hmm. excited for all of this. So join us next week. It's going to be a hoot and a half. Make sure to follow us on social media at Growing Up Skywalker, wherever you get your social medias. Track us down on Patreon for leftovers and Naval History Minute and stuff like that. And thank you to John, our new patron. We love having you. Oh, yeah. Thanks, John. And send this episode to the wisest person you know. And also send this episode to Tim Curry. And Tim Curry. And Mark Hamill. <laughs> love ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.